May I welcome you to episode 34 of Moving Matters. I am your host, Colin Wynn. I hope Moving Matters will give you an insight to others working or have worked in this wonderful industry as I delve into their past, their present and their future. You will find a new episode of Moving Matters on the second and fourth Thursday of each month. In this episode, we discover that my guest began his career in the industry only seven years ago, in 2014. We discuss how he became involved in the industry, his challenges, what he would change from his past, his high points, what changes he would make, the advice he would give himself starting out again, where he sees himself in the industry in the next five years, and what he does outside of the business. And as always, we end with a funny moving story. My guest this episode is Warren Leggett, Director of Warren's Removals and Storage. Enjoy. Good afternoon, Warren. How are you today? I'm good, thank you, Colin. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Welcome to Moving Matters. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be on. You're very welcome. Can you tell everyone about yourself and the length of time within the industry? Yes, yeah, so my name is Warren Leggett. I started Warren's Removals and Storage in 2014. Started without owning a van. I hired out vans to start with. I worked for a guy called John. John owned a haulage company and because friends and family seen me working using a van they were constantly asking if I could pick up a sofa if I could pick up a fridge it was that type of stuff on Facebook so I did that at the time I had no idea I was doing it for for nothing I had no idea how to charge so long story short I, I asked my boss if I could hire his vans on the weekend because his job was Monday to Friday so they wasn't worked on a Saturday so it went from there really so I started he said yes to that and then I landed my first job on a Saturday and for the first 18 months or so I was hiring out a van so I was going into quotes pretending I had a couple of vans when in fact I didn't even have any vans. The leap happened when it started to trickle into weekdays so I was, you know starting to get asked to actual completion moves not just rentals that, that was Saturday moves. That started to, to get a bit messy with my boss. It was time then to make a decision. It took 18 months for this to happen. And I decided to go alone. By that point, I was quite confident because I'd built up quite a good reputation already. I had a, a big clientele base that supported me along the way. So it was never really a question whether to stick in my full-time, very secure, safe job. It, it was always to go alone. So that's what happened. That's in 2014. So I made the jump to work alone in the end of 2015. And here we are now, 2021. Three units. I've now just took on a gigantic unit, which I would call gigantic. We've got eight vans, eight three and a half ton vans, and a HGV 18 ton. The 18-ton lorry came yesterday, so it's a brand, brand new edition. It hasn't even been to work yet. It's sat on the yard. Uh, we've got 52 storage containers here, shipping containers, and 105 wooden storage crates. 
And that is at this site. On top of that, I've got another three storage sites, which aren't mine. I'm not, I don't own any of that. I've just got partners. So they, they own the land, they own the containers. I pay them a monthly fee. And is that shipping containers then, in that instance? Shipping containers, yeah. So in total, we've got 107 shipping containers. Only 55 are mine, actually owned by me. So I want to go back a little bit. Yeah. So you were doing small jobs at weekends. What was, if you don't mind me asking, what was your full-time job at that time? It was delivering medical supplies all across the country. It was by myself, working by myself. Multi-drop job. It was similar to a DPD driver. I like to compare it to. So we would deliver to elderly patients and poorly patients that couldn't eat solid foods. So they would be pump-fed through the stomach. Right. We would deliver those products to to them. So whether it's to a house or to hospitals or to nursing homes, and that was literally all across the UK. So I had a lot of time by myself. Most days were at least twelve-hour days. If I'm completely honest, it was very lonely for me. However, this is where I did all my my creative thinking. This is where I I visualized removals. So I knew I was doing removals and it was going quite well. So my time alone on the road, I was manifesting what was going to happen, if if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was a Monday to Friday job. Very long hours, long days. So your company... Warren's Removals and Storage. Yeah. Eight three and a half tonners, was that right? Yeah. And one 18 tonner. Yeah. How many staff? 15. That's removal staff. On top of that, we've got four office members as well. Well, two quotas and two office members. So there's 19 employed staff. That's quite a size for six or seven years. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fast growth. Yeah. Uh, And I get told this all the time. You know, a lot of people say, Christ, you're growing fast. However, to me, it feels very normal. I don't feel like I've run at all. I've gone with the demand. I've not run into any big decisions and made any mistakes. I genuinely think I've done this the right way. And I've still got a very firm grip of the company. And I know what's going on day to day. Good to hear. Good to hear. (laughs) So some questions for you then. Yeah. Warren's Removals and Storage, but you also have Warren's Elite. Yeah. Can you explain the difference between the two, please? Of course. So we started moving some professional athletes, uh, rugby players, football players, and then we actually moved a couple of Premier League players. So it started to step up a couple of notches. And what I quickly realized is these people wanted everything doing literally absolutely everything they've got no time they're too busy in their profession to do house moves they, they just don't really have any time they've got a lot to organize so i kind of had a bit of a light bulb moment where i thought let's offer them everything let's unbox everything at the new place so for instance how i'd like to explain the elite services on day one it depends where they're moving to and from which depends how many days we put on the move. But on day one, we would take photos of every room and we take photos of inside every kitchen cupboard, every wardrobe. That's day one. Before we even touch anything, we take photos. The same team would stick on this move for a while. 
So what I'd like to do is designate, I've got a guy called Rory, he likes the elite move. So I say, Rory, you're working in bedroom one and bedroom two and the landing. Yep. So that's his little domain. So he goes and takes photos of all of that. That is day one, the photos, and then we do all of the packing. Day two is the load up. Because if it's a long distance move, we would normally load up and then deliver the day after that. It depends where it is in the country. Day three is the delivery, and then day four would be the unboxing and replicate the house. So that's when we'd refer back to the photos. Yeah. We would try and replicate exactly the same way as they lived beforehand. Obviously, you're going to have different rooms, different angles, different kitchen cupboards, etc. But we've got photos to track back on to try and make it feel like... You're going to keep everything together, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What I found really good was giving one member of staff their role and yeah. they will look after their role because, you know, there's, there's no one else to blame if it goes wrong. It's their role. <laughs> so whereas, like, you know, if Rory was in charge of bedroom one and bedroom two and the landing, Rory would make sure that bedroom one, bedroom two and the landing at the new house is perfect. So everyone st- sticks to their role really well. So they've all got their own responsibility, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice, nice. And I put two people on the kitchen, because obviously it's the biggest job, really, as far as unboxing and boxing. So yeah. two people on the kitchen, and then they have left and right. <laughs> simple as that. It's really simple. <laughs> I have a vision of a white line down the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Warren, you've got the left. Colin, you've got the right. That's it. That's it. Yeah, it's, it's similar to that. And then obviously we go... Even further than that, we put up pictures, we put up blinds, curtains, TV brackets. We do everything. The only thing we wouldn't do is carpet, plumbing, all that type of stuff. We do everything else. So your guys must be pretty hands-on then if they're putting up things like TV brackets and yeah, yeah, you know, the blinds and everything else. They must all have, have all the handy tools ready and available. Yeah, uh, just by chance, I've been lucky with my staff. Some of them have now got about four or five very handy men. Like you can literally right. set what, one guy, Simon, he's worked for me for pretty much from the start. He is a wizard with the tools. Honestly, you could set him into a house full of bunk beds, massive wardrobes, and he wouldn't even ask for help. He just gets it done quietly. And now, you know, I've got like about two or three Simons that just love it. You know, they prefer to do the assembling and the dismantling rather than the removals. But with Simon, Simon himself is actually like a key removal man across the board. He's fantastic. I'm so lucky to have Simon. Well, all our listeners will be wanting a Simon now. Yeah. <laughs> you keep hold of him. I think it's important, though, to um, to give credit where it's due. And I do genuinely think there's a certain amount of luck with any business. And, and I've had my luck has come with staff. So my staff have been very loyal to me, and they're also very good. A lot of people say you should never be too friendly with your staff. But I actually disagree with that because they're like my best mates. All of my staff are like my best mates. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Uh, so I, I do agree that, you know, you shouldn't be too friendly. And if I'm completely honest, the bigger we're getting as a company, the newer guys that come in, I don't really have, because I'm not working with them every day. I don't have the yeah. opportunity to become their best mate. But the guys that have been with me from the start, they're, you know, they are my best mates still. Yeah. And that's just, the, you know, the, the progression of the company, I guess. So I have a very quick question. Yeah. 
So Warren's Elite came from moving professional sportsmen. Yeah. How did the first one come about? Okay, so this is a very, very good question. I've got a good friend from Worcester who is a professional football player. Right. Um, his name is Mark Little, and uh, I'll take you back a little bit because Mark Little is uh, an entrepreneur as well. He's always looking at the next business. He, he knows that football will not last forever. Yeah. So he was looking at me, and he approached me, and he said, I'm living in Swansea, and I really want to set up a removals company, and I want to follow your blueprint. Would you allow me to do that? And I was honored at the time. I was like, of course, I'll help you out, you know, whatever you want to do. I'll tell you where to get vehicles from, how to employ, you know, everything. He did try this. Unfortunately, it didn't work because he couldn't devote time to it. But he bought a vehicle. He had a member of staff. And then he realized after about 12 months that it just wasn't for him. I ended up buying his vehicle off him. So it worked quite well for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But from then, we've always been in, in close communication. He played for Swansea at the time. And the first... Other than moving Mark himself, the first one was a Swansea player, which is a bit strange because we're nowhere near Swansea. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Nowhere near. So we quoted it on the basis of, you know, all of that traveling. But these these professional athletes, they just want the job doing. They don't want to scramble around for quotes. They just want to know that this, this is the company. It's been recommended by my friend in the dressing room. Yeah. And I'm going to use him. And, yeah. and from then, I've now moved five or six Swansea players. We find we're always in Swansea. So we're traveling quite far. Uh, and then we moved a West Brom player. We've got a very big, I won't mention his name yet, but we've got a very big Premier League player coming at the end of this month. Excellent. So, yeah, it just spiraled out from there. I guess over, over time, you'll start, your name will start to bounce across loads of different Well, you can't be recommendation, can you? No. At the end of the day. So once you've been recommended and you can provide the service that that client is looking for, there's no need for them to look anywhere else. No, definitely not. And what I've also found is, although they're long days, all of the guys fight for the job. They all (laughs) want to be on the job. Yeah. Which you don't get in normal moves. (laughs) (laughs) They all want to be a part of the, the elite jobs. Now, I also believe yeah. in Warren's removals and storage, and probably the same for Warren's Elite, yeah. that you have OCD. I do. I've heard this. Yes. To customer detail. Yes. And customer service. Yeah. Explain. <laughs> I've got OCD in every aspect. <laughs> the, only, the only place I haven't got OCD is at home. <laughs> I, I'm... I've got a vision and my vision is, um, you know, the, the branding, the branding especially. Everything needs to look pleasing on the eye, literally everything, to the point where I check the vans in the morning, make sure the blankets are all folded exactly the same on top of each other. Yeah. I spend time doing unnecessary stuff because it pleases my head. <laughs> but there's loads of different ways I can explain my OCD, especially with customer service. But, you know, I just make sure that you don't want to say every job is perfect. But I'll go into every single day wanting it to be perfect because of my OCD problem. <laughs> but also it's because your name is on top of the door at the end of the day. It's your reputation on the line. Yeah. 
It's your company, it's your name across the vehicles, it's your name across the containers, it's your name in the background of you right now. Yeah. That means an awful lot to you. Yeah. And you have to, you know, if you've got that standard, you have to maintain it. Of course. So you're going to keep looking in those vans and you're going to keep checking those blankets. Yeah, definitely. In fact, day after day. You know, I, I, I kind of hope it's going to calm down a bit, but in fact, it's getting worse. The more... <laughs> The more vehicles I get, the more staff I get. You know, for instance, the staff all need to wear black, not tops, black bottoms, whether it's shorts or trousers. I'll buy them. You know, it's all on the company. If you turn up without black bottoms, I'm not happy with you. You've got to go and get some. Everybody needs to look the same. Now, I actually agree with that because the industry is trying to be professional. And I hope I don't upset anybody here, but sometimes the guys turn up on a job. They look like they got dressed in the dark. Yeah. They really do. Yeah. So they need uniforms. They don't need shirts and ties or anything like that. They don't need all of that, mm. but they do need to look presentable. Yeah. We need to up our game and be more presentable to the clients. Definitely. Definitely. So they all need to have, I like the fact that you literally say, if you're not wearing your, your black trousers, I'm sending you home. You're not going out because it's my reputation on the line. I would be exactly the same. I've done it two or three times. I sent two or three staff home because they're turning up in, in grey tracksuit bottoms, which they're awful, you know, even at the best of times, grey tracksuit bottoms. And I don't want my staff turning up. We are a premium removals company. I want to send in a premium looking removals team. That's how it is. And, you know, it might it may sound silly because it's still the same person wearing those bottoms, but it is. The first impression. Exactly. Exactly. And at the end of the day, the removal company is often supplying the uniform anyway. So yeah. the uniforms will be the same, regardless of whether Frank's wearing it, John's wearing it, Andy's wearing it. It makes no difference. They all need to look the same. Exactly. And I'm, I'm really, really heavy on that, really big on that. Image, to me personally, is everything. Good. Good, good, good. It'll stand you in good stead, trust me. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So my questions, my standard questions. What challenges have you had to overcome? Uh, it's probably the, the same answer a lot of people give, but challenges is, is staff. Staffing is always a big problem in removals, especially certain staff that don't turn up on a certain day. This is another part of my OCD is, uh, is employment. If somebody messes up two or three times that they don't last very long in my company unfortunately <laughs> but staffing yeah um what i found is if you're if we're on a, a three four bed house three vehicles three three and a half ton vehicles we would generally staff that at four men if the guys get in to work at 7 a.m and one person just hasn't got out of bed not set their alarm not turned up turn their phone off it is a complete domino effect all across that team because they're going in understaffed. They've got their head down before they even get to the customer's address. Yeah. They're turning up at the address in a mood, probably, because they've got to do more work. And then the customer is obviously going to get a little bit of a, a worse service than normal because of that. So staff is definitely the biggest challenge that I've had to overcome. And I'm never going to fix that problem, but I can be firmer. And the staff now know exactly who their boss is, if that makes any sense, in a nice way. They know if they slip up, they're not going to stick around for very long. And now that you've got your HGV truck, 
Who's the guy with the HGV license then? Because he must be like gold dust right now. I know. Um, an- another reason why I'm very lucky. We put out <laughs> a, a job advert recently. Wasn't looking for a HGV driver. We're just looking for porters. Very busy. We're looking to recruit two porters. Um, and one of the applicants was a HGV driver. So we got him in. He's worked in removals before. So he's right. a removal man. He hasn't come from a removal company. He's been out of the game now for about five years. And he's itching to get back into it, but he's not found the company to, to approach. Uh, he knows he can get a lot of money elsewhere, but he doesn't want it. He doesn't want to live by him, be on the road by himself all the time. He loves removals. So he was our fast track to look for a lorry because we're putting two or three people through at the moment with their HGV license. Um, they're booked in February, so their plan was to buy in February or you know start of next year. He came in; he's been amazing. He's assured us that he's here and he's not you know he's not bothered about all these crazy figures that are thrown away, thrown out there with uh, HGV drivers. So we just said, look, you're our fast track to a HGV, and then he got really excited. And don't get me wrong, we're paying him well, so we know he's not just gonna bugger off we're paying him well but he he gave me a lot of excitement you know speaking Mm. to him and he also got really good ideas he's got contacts as well which is great so he's actually become within a matter of weeks he's become one of the most key members of our removal team yeah an integral part of the business by the sounds of it very much so yeah and he's also helping the guys that we're paying to do their hdv licenses is comforting them them through it he's helping them with certain questions because there's a lot involved and he's really really loving it he really is and it's so good to see so good to see and he he said to me i just feel like i've got my life back (laughs) he really missed removals see once you're in this industry you can't get out (laughs) you can't no no i couldn't believe my luck to be honest i couldn't and I don't want to think negatively because I never really do that. But I also made sure that I told him that just because I'm buying this, this is me taking the gamble. I'm not, you know, it doesn't make you a prisoner of my company. So don't worry about it. So I'm trying to make sure that he knew that so he wasn't relied upon. Yeah, I knew what I was getting into. If he leaves next week or the week after, then I've got a lorry that's just going to sit around until February, unfortunately. But that was a gamble I wanted to take. So have you not got your HGV then, Warren? No. Are you doing yours? I probably will. I, I'm just, I need to. Of course I need to. It's just when. I'm, I'm terrified. I'm, I was terrible in school, Colin. Really bad in school. <laughs> and I'm terrified of doing an exam. I'm terrible at theory tests. I'm not very good at revising. It scares me. You sound just like me. Multiple choices are a nightmare. You get, you get a question with four answers, and I just think, yeah, they're all right. Yeah, they all look right. Yeah, I'm the same. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I will do it eventually. Uh, there's no immediate plans. I know I've yeah. got to do it because, you know, the owner can't really not do it. But like I said, I'm just not a classroom kind of guy, and I'm not good at studying. Well, the owner doesn't have to do it, but it's nice to see that you're investing in your staff and putting them through to HGVs because. Yeah. Uh, again, we've said many times on the podcast, it's very difficult to take a HGV driver and make them into a removal man, but it's very easy to take a removal man and make them into a driver at the yeah, same time. That's so correct, definitely. And 
it also fulfills me as a person giving people an opportunity like that. You know, when, when yeah. I brought these three people in, I said, I'm thinking of doing this. Are you interested? They were made up. This yeah. is such a big opportunity for them. You know, they went back home, told their families. I get more satisfaction from that type of stuff than I, than I do most other things, you know, helping yeah. people out. Sounds corny, but I genuinely do. No, it's good. It's good. So if you could change anything from your moving past, what would it be? Anything from my moving past? Although you did say earlier that you haven't made any mistakes. Yeah, see, I've obviously looked at your questions and, and this <laughs> <is a> particular one. <laughs> it's a bit of a stumbling block. I really don't think I'd change anything. Is there anything that you would have done maybe sooner? had you have known that the results were so good once you had done? Storage, yes. So storage was, um, uh, the guy that I started work with, that, that I worked for when I started the company, he lives and owns a, a huge farm, a livery. Right. And he said, if, you know, I said to him, sorry, I've started to get people asked for storage. And he said, oh, okay, no worries. I'll apply for this and I'll buy a container. And if you, know, if you want, you can rent it off me because you know, he's, seen, he's seen there's yeah. an opportunity. So he bought two containers and within 10 minutes of them arriving, they were both full. <laughs> <laughs> so he did that and then it got to 35 containers, which sounds a lot, but they were all full. And then he said, Warren, I'm not buying anymore. We're done. And... And then I found myself in a bit of a sticky situation because I was turning people away at this point. Anyway, I, was, um, I had to approach other people. I started to meet other people in the farms, another storage facility. So I started to branch out and then I ended up getting another three on top of John's farm. Yeah. However, there's no profit, there's no money in those other three. It felt like I was doing all of the legwork and... I didn't charge enough. Basically, I was earning £25 a month per container, which isn't enough, really. So I wish, no. I'd, have, uh, I wish I'd have thought a bit sooner and looked at different sites and, and went down. I've got a business loan for this site. I didn't have all of this money sat in my bank, unfortunately. So I got a business loan. I went in with a business plan, and they seen... I've got something going. They took a gamble on me and they said, yes, I wish I'd have probably done that a bit sooner because, you know, it would have mm. probably took away those other three sites where it just didn't really work for us. But I'm a true believer in, in fate and everything happens for a reason. And, you know, it might not have happened then if I'd have gone in with a business approach, a business plan. They might have said no at that point. And I've learned and met a lot of new people at those sites. So, like I say, I don't think I've got any anything that I would change. It's just maybe timings might have been a bit different. Okay. So what is your high point of being in the industry to date? I'm sure you've got many more high points to come. Yes. Also, looking at this question, um, I haven't got one particular high point. I've got lots of different high points which all equate to the same satisfaction level so for instance buying my first van when 18 months on I saved five thousand pounds and I bought that van and that was I drove to my dad's house showed it him he cried it was like a proper moment for me <laughs> love it 
and then there's you know employment, handing people opportunities, yeah. moving successful football players. You know, I never thought little old Warren would ever move a Premier League football player. <laughs> uh, there's like I said, there's a lot of very good parts of uh, my company and what I've done. There's lots. Sorry, I can't give one specific, but there is actually a lot. You know, now my my high point was yesterday picking up a HGV. Yeah. My high yeah. point was seeing my first two shipping containers arrive at my new yard. You know, there's lots. There's, I find I'm very fortunate that I'm living such a an adventurous, happy life at the minute. Well, you'll always have these moments that will stay in your mind yeah, for a very, very long time. Your first. Yeah. I'm constantly pinching myself, let me tell you that. <laughs> so what one thing would you change? within the moving industry? This isn't necessarily in the, the, the actual removal side of the industry, but it's the extended part of solicitors and the process. So nothing really in the removals industry. There's maybe a couple of points I might refer back to, but it's more the fact we still now, 2021, get people cancelled the day before their move. Yep. It's such a huge part of life moving house that you should know the day before you move. I always compare it to you wouldn't book a wedding and the day before the organizer rings you and say, I'm sorry, we can't do that date. We're going to have to go to next week. Yeah. It, it doesn't work in a lot of different industries. You couldn't get away with that type of stuff. No, the moving process is too antiquated and needs updating very, very quickly. Definitely. Uh, if I had a superpower and I could use my superpower in the removals industry and the whole process, it would be fixing that. It mm. would be fixing that straight away because it creates stress. Uh, it's very stressful for the customers. It's yeah. stressful for us in the office. And there's nothing worse than telling the guys that the job's not on tomorrow. No, because you've gone ahead and done all of your planning for you and the guys. You've done the planning for your customer. And then all of a sudden, the customer's been let down by the good old solicitors. Yeah. And at the end of the day, they're upset. They were stressed. And now you've got guys and vehicles hanging around with no job on. It's, it's just a nightmare. It shouldn't happen. It, it should shouldn't not happen. happen. And unfortunately, as well, they get a, an extra kick in the teeth when you say you've lost your deposit. Yeah. And, and we hate doing that. We absolutely hate doing that. But we use that deposit to pay the staff that haven't got the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not fair. It isn't fair. Uh, in fact, um, we're moving a couple of in their 80s at the minute. The, the job is massive. It's a 13-van move. Wow. So it's probably bitten off a little bit more than we can chew. But we do that all the time. It's just all, all about the planning. Yeah. So we have to go in way before the, the completion date and get ahead of ourselves. We do the packing, we take stuff away, we bring stuff to storage, we make the move a lot more manageable, so we, we create bite-sized days. So we did that. Uh, we started the move, this was last week, um, their completion date was Friday. So we were there for four days, four solid days, packing, filtering stuff away, preparing the move, getting them there, li literally living with bare minimum out of boxes and then on Thursday at five o'clock they found out it wasn't happening on Friday so we've got most of their stuff in storage and it's now been a week and they still haven't got any dates and I just feel like these people are in their 80s they need to be looked after a little bit better than this yeah. 
they are so stressed and they don't know what to do. They haven't moved for 40 years. Then they don't understand. And you just feel really bad. You feel really, really bad. And you also feel a little bit part of the system as well. It sounds weird. Yeah. I know it's not our fault, but we're part of it. Yeah. So that is 100% what I would change it and make everybody's life easier. And it'd also be much better for every removal company's planning out there. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. It would be lovely, wouldn't it? <laughs> so what advice would you give to yourself just starting out in the industry again? Quit drinking. Very, very strange. <laughs> See, go back a few episodes and I was told drinking is great. You need to check your kidneys and your liver because this industry drinks like there's no tomorrow. Uh, but you'll yeah. say quit drinking. Okay. Quit drinking. <laughs> uh, I know it's a very weird answer, Colin, but two, <laughs> two years ago I, I quit alcohol. I decided I'm, I wasn't reliant on it, but I was drinking a lot. I was leaning on alcohol. Hmm. Maybe I was... Add a bit too much on my plate, customer stress, staff, etc. So I was drinking a lot. And then I, I decided I'm not, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit and I'm going to focus fully on the company. Hmm. And literally within a couple of weeks, my head, my, my headspace was different. I was really, I've started to become more focused. I was putting my time and energy elsewhere. And within two years, I've grown massively as a business. I've grown huge within that two years and i genuinely put it down to putting the bottle away yeah i wasn't an alcoholic i don't want to sound like i was an alcoholic i've become normal to get home from work and have two or three beers and then the day after you're a bit fuzzy headed and you're not quite yourself until nine ten o'clock you're probably stressed, you're under a lot of pressure, and to come home and just crack open a, a quick bottle of lager and have a drink, it, yeah. it, it helps. It helps in, in the mind for that moment in time, though. It does. However, um, I'm, I would never preach, never preach to do this. You know, I'm not that kind of person. I'm not going to start inflicting my beliefs on alcohol to everybody. I am not a moderate person. I, I can't do anything in moderation. The company is this size today because yeah. I'm not moderate. I push it. Yeah. If I like something, I do it 50 times harder than the next person. That's just who I am. Uh, so alcohol for me, unfortunately, was two lagers would turn into five, would turn into 10. And on a weekend, if I had nothing on the day after, I just can't stop. I can't stop. <laughs> and I don't know why. I don't know how that became a thing in my life but I'm not moderate I'm not I, I drink I used to drink within excess some nights where it was basically all down to running a company and not having a clue where it's going to go and mm. becoming a man in a van to a man in 10 vans with a 15 20 man squad yeah it become a little bit it become hard, so I started drinking. And then when I put the bottle down, I stopped drinking. And I genuinely don't believe I was an alcoholic. However, I was borderline. The company has grew to, to the size it is today. And I don't think I'd have had the headspace to do that if I was still in that world. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a deep answer, sorry, Colin, but that... No, we, li we like deep answers. That, that would be my advice to myself because I quit two years ago and I've been going for six years. So realistically, I should have quit five years ago <laughs> so where do you see yourself and the industry in the next five years let's start with yourself 
Where do you see Warrens in five years' time? I don't plan anything, and I don't have any five, ten-year plans. I never have, and I never will. I like to run with the flow, and I like to um, see where life takes me rather than aiming for a certain thing. However, I know, softly speaking, I know I want multiple depots across the UK. I know that. I know there in my company, there's an extending ladder. It's not just a ladder and you reach the top and that's it. The staff are excited about the fact that there might be a different depot later down the line. They're excited about the fact that they might run a depot. There's storage managers, there's different roles that might appear. And that is where I genuinely feel the company will go. However, there's no set plans because I just don't like doing that. But that 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 is a... A bit of a dream of mine, I suppose. And where do you see the industry in the next five years? Very modern, I'd say. It's becoming more and more modern. Um, and I'm talking more social media. The old timers are coming round to the social media. The new timers are showing the old timers the social media way. I feel like it's going to progressively get more and more modern. Probably a lot of removal companies using vans because it seems such an easy way to, to start a company. I'd like to say it'd be in a, in a fantastic position as far as solicitors' completions and stuff. But ultimately, I'm not really sure. I, just, I can't give a straight answer there. I'd like to say it's, um, it's going to be a modern... I don't know. It, yeah. A modern outlook on removal industry. So social media then. Yeah. You guys are massively into your social media, yeah. as we heard from Chris in the last episode. Yeah. Shout out to Chris. So what is it that you guys do differently on social media to others? Videos. Videos. Not these TikTok things. I don't want to see you dancing around with a pack two in your hand. No, no, no. Right. I'm, I'm not attempting that <laughs> not attempted tiktok um <laughs> what, I, what i realized and another another reason why i'm so fortunate is my best friend is a videographer right he works on the oil rigs he works half a year he works two weeks on two weeks off in his two weeks he was looking for a hobby he picked up a camera and become a videographer he approached me because at the time i was only a year into business two years into business can't really remember he approached me and asked if he could use me and my company as a platform for him to learn and for him to grow. And I obviously said yes. And it turned out that he was phenomenal at his job. You know, he taught himself how to become a videographer. And he started doing these mini movies for us, coming out on jobs and throwing those on social media. And what we quickly realized is these days on social media, we, we browse past photos quite quickly, but we stop on videos. Videos hit a lot harder than photos. Interesting. So he started to realize these short, sharp videos were actually gaining quite a lot of attention. And also it's promoting me as a, as a company, as well as him as a videographer. So we started doing that quite heavy. In fact, all the way to now, he runs my Instagram. So I don't even know what he's going to drop, what's coming out. But it's brilliant. You know, I, I love it. I, I'm actually a fan myself of my own company, if that makes any sense, because he runs it and he knows what to drop. He knows what the audience likes. And when it drops, 
I see it at the same time as all of the followers see it. So he doesn't run anything by me. I just got such trust in him that he runs my, my social media. And, and like I say, I, I see it along with everybody else at the same time. So let's help out some of the older folk that yeah. we mentioned earlier. Yeah. If they want to get into social media today, yeah. what is the best way to go about doing it? Is it to bring somebody into the business as a member of staff and get them to do it? Or would you say it's better to go and get somebody from outside of the industry and just say, look, you know, we will employ you. You do our photographs. You do our social media. You come in every so often and just get on with it and therefore pay for that service. Yeah. Some people have got it, some people haven't. It's as clear as that. Some people are good on social media, some people know the vision, some people know what to post, some people are good at grammar, some people have just got it. I was fortunate where I used to run all of my own social media and I did, I kind of grasped what I needed to do and I was generally quite good myself until I passed it on. But I think you just need to be honest with yourself to start with. If you're not very good at spelling, for instance, if you're not great at thinking of posts, uh, if you're not very good at taking photos, then definitely outsource this job, definitely. Don't try and take it on yourself because you could post something and not write the correct thing and it could go quite badly quite quickly. For instance, um, I see it all the time. I'm never. I'm not going to name drop anybody, but I see quite a lot of companies with spelling mistakes. Yeah. The wrong grammar, photos that aren't clear. You know, it just it doesn't look good. It just doesn't. Sometimes look. it's just your bloody iPhone changing the word that you've typed in. Yeah, it, it just tend to be that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I think just the, the honest answer there is just to be honest with yourself, and if you feel you can do it, do it yourself then you'll save the cost. If not, get somebody in. And if they know a bit about removals, that's a bonus because it is an industry that you kind of do need to know what you're talking about to post about. I feel it's an untapped expense. Yeah. Years ago, we would invest tens of thousands of pounds in adverts in this horrible thing called Yellow Pages. Yeah. And then Yellow Pages became the size of Thompson's. And then we decided, oh, we must listen to the SEO guys on our website and we pay them thousands of pounds a year to do SEO. Yeah. And I'm beginning to think websites, you need a presence, but I'm beginning to think the SEO side of a website isn't that necessary anymore. You still need it, obviously, but not to the degree that you used to. No. Maybe then that money should now be ploughed into social media. Yeah. Yeah. Facebook have got very wise to this now, and I've learned this over the last six months. If you've got a business page on Facebook or Instagram and you post, Facebook automatically shows it to six, seven percent. I think it's a crazy low percentage of the people that are following you. It's a different type of post algorithm to your own personal profile. Yeah. And they do that because. They want you to boost your posts. They want you yeah. to spend money there. And when you do spend money, it'll go to more people. So they put it at a very low percentage, which yeah. makes you want to spend your money. I've got a good case study for uh, a boosted post once. I did. I, I got some boxes printed with Warren's removals on. And the very, very first post I ever boosted, and I put £20 on it, and I posted a picture of the box 
and I wrote, in business, you have to think outside the box. That's literally that simple. Yeah. I boosted it for £20 and that was over five days. I always ask every single customer how they heard of us. Yeah, I always track your source of inquiry. Yeah, and I worked out just off that one boosted post, which I spent £20 on, we brought in £4,700. Yeah. Obviously, that's not profit, but, you know, that's how much work we brought in, £4,700 off a £20 boosted ad. Yeah. I... I'm telling you this story as if like I stick to it and I do it all the time. I rarely ever boost my posts. In fact, the phone now rings just from word of mouth. The phone's busy all the time anyway, so I don't find I need to to boost posts. I like to spend my money on on the social media aspects, getting high quality content rather than boosting stuff. Yeah, the odd boost from time to time can definitely help. I, I've boosted a couple of the podcast adverts on Facebook. You know, yeah. It only costs like a tenner a time to run for five days. And you know, when you look at the stats, all of a sudden, they've gone through the roof with the amount of people that have engaged with it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe social media is the area that people now need to spend their advertising money in. Yeah, I, I definitely recommend that, definitely. SEO, like you touched on then, we would look generally more... On Facebook, when we're looking for that painter and decorator or that plumber, we would look on Facebook, I'd say, before yeah. Google. Yeah. We get a lot of our work from social media, whether it comes directly from a Facebook message or, or a phone call from somebody who's seen us on Facebook. Yeah. So invest your time and money and energy into social media because, like it or not, it is taking over the world. <laughs> Well, it's here to stay for a little while, so we might as well jump on the bandwagon. Yeah, definitely. So what does Warren do outside of the industry to switch off? My wife hates me for this because I never switch off. I knew you were going to say you never switch off. (laughs) I never switch off. It's a problem. I wish I could switch off. But when I wake up, I'm Warren's removals and storage all the way up until I close my eyes. I'm Warren's removals and storage. That's all. That's, that's the OCD in you, that is. Yeah. I've got a daughter. My wife works within the company. My wife is obviously director of the company, but she also works in the accounts. So she understands the daily pressures and how much I'm thinking yeah. about certain stuff. But it's very difficult to switch off in removals when stuff happens all day and all night because key weights might be all the way up until five o'clock and you've got a move going on all the way up until eight, nine o'clock. So I can't switch off until the vans are back at the yard. And even then I'm wondering how they've been parked, if they've been, <laughs> if they've been emptied at the back, if the protectors are off, how the blankets are folded. You know. <laughs> In fact, my wife also hates me for this, but when I go on holiday, I am almost worse because I've got more time. <laughs> So in a nutshell, I'm probably one of the world's worst husbands. I'm sure that's not true. I'm sure that's not true. Yeah, so I do, I do struggle. I do struggle to switch off. I'm not sure that there's going to ever be a cure for that. And finally, I like to end my podcast with a funny moving story or two. Do you have one to tell? I do. This story... Is one that I'm not proud of, and it's one that I don't actually find funny myself, but everybody in the company 
loves it and they love to tell anybody about it whenever they get the opportunity. We were doing a move. I was on the move, very big move. It wasn't actually a very big move. It was just a very long walk to the house. So it took a lot of men. So there's seven of us on it and it's down an alleyway, awkward access. And the alleyway had trees overhanging the fence. One of the trees was an apple tree. And each time I walked up and down this alley, I felt like kicking one. I felt like kicking an apple. (laughs) And after I'd walked down this alley about 50 times, it felt like, I decided to kick an apple. Not very hard, but it took a bobble and it went through my customer's window. Oh, Oh, Warren. (laughs) It's one that I'm I'm not proud of, but everybody brings it up. Whenever they get the opportunity, they throw it at me. And if this is a defence, it was a very, very thin window. It was a listed building. The glass was really thin, and we got it fixed the day after, and it only cost about £40. It was just so humiliating. But having to go to the customer and explain what I'd just done... (laughs) I walked past this tree 50-odd times, but on the 51st, I decided to kick the apple. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, It's a story that will live with me forever. I was embarrassed about it, but it's time just to to laugh about it, I guess. But, yeah. Warren, thank you very much for giving out your time today. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Colin. Appreciate it, too. I sincerely hope you enjoyed episode 34 of Moving Matters. Please rate, review and subscribe in your favourite podcast player of choice and please tell your industry colleagues about Moving Matters. My thanks and appreciation go to Warren Leggett of Warren's Removals and Storage for giving up his time to record this episode. Thank you again, Warren. If you would like to know more about Warren's Removals and Storage and the services they provide, then you will find links are in the show notes for this episode and on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. And please, if you have a funny moving story that can be relayed to our listeners or you would like to be a guest on the podcast, then do reach out to me by completing the contact form on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. And finally, I would like to take this opportunity to thank BAR Training Services, who ran the BAR Removals Masterclass from November 15th to 19th, in which I had the pleasure of attending. I have heard nothing but good things about this course, so I decided to put myself through it. It is a very thorough look on many aspects of the moving industry, and I would highly encourage and recommend anyone in a management or trainee management role to consider enrolling into a future one. So a big thank you to BAR Training Services, all speakers, and every attendee that I got the distinct pleasure to speak, eat, and drink with. Well, that is all from me. So until next time, keep moving.